Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I am a certified financial planner practitioner, and this is a show for you to help you understand the stock market better, to help you keep up with financial legislation that impacts you, to explain financial planning topics, and then finally, in the last segment, Ask Peggy, this is your opportunity to ask me questions. You can send those questions to my website, PeggyDoviak.com, and then if you click on the contact link, that will give you a place that you can write questions that I'll receive, and then I can answer them on the air. So if you have questions, it's PeggyDoviak.com. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears market, an economic update, and this is for the week ending October 26, 2018. And it wasn't a pretty week. The Dow closed down just a little under 3%. The S&P 500 closed down just a little under 4%. The NASDAQ also closed just a little under 4%. Gold went up a percent. And oil went down about 2.5%. So it was a really bad week. Remember, we had a bad week two weeks ago, and then the week before last was pretty good. It looked like everything had stabilized out, and then last week we took another big leg down where we're just about where we were at the beginning of the year, and it was really a very painful week. I think lots of things led to this. The stock market reason is some of the corporate earnings were lower than anticipated, There were also still some concerns over the midterm election and some possible changes in legislation, maybe not as much of a probability of a tax cut, depending upon how the midterms go. But my opinion, and I really haven't seen a lot in the business news to support this, but it's still my opinion, I think the bombings of last week really rattled everyone and everything, including the market. Now, I know the bombs didn't go off, so really, it was an attempted series of bombings, not bombings themselves, thank God. But I do think that just the tone of that possibility and the number of targets, for one, everyone was paying attention to that, which will cause the market to tend to lag a little bit whenever attention gets focused somewhere else and volume gets lighter. Sometimes the market will drop off a little bit in that environment if there's not a really compelling reason to drive it forward. But more than that, I think the market was just really freaked out by Now, we'll have to wait and see what happens this week. I checked the futures before I came in to tape this show, and the futures show that the market's going to rebound today. Now, remember, when you're down 3 to 4% for a week, a rebound makes sense. Really, the market action this week will give us a better idea of where we're going. 
We're in correction territory. It's certainly not catastrophic, but the markets aren't really happy with a lot of things going on right now, and it just remains to be seen where we go from here and what happens after this. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And this week, there really wasn't that much legislative news. Now again, I think it had a lot to do with the fact of the pipe bombs just kind of sucking the oxygen out of the room, as it should, but it really was what most things were being written about. There wasn't a lot, at least that I could find in the media, about financial legislation that I wanted to share with you. So I was trying to decide what to do in this section, and I'm realizing that this week's show is likely the last show that you'll hear prior to the midterm elections that are next week. So I'm actually taping this on the Monday, right before the Tuesday that's a week ahead of the midterms. So there's a very good chance that you'll hear this show, and this will be the last chance you get to hear me before you go vote in the midterms. And I do not ever want to tell someone how to vote. That really is not my place. I put forward issues. I talk about things that are important to me. But I do really want to strongly encourage you to vote. You know, one of the things that made the United States such an amazing experiment over 200 years ago was that ability for people to vote and actually control their political future. And Lots of people had the right to vote. Now, there were disenfranchised groups, and thank heavens we've, we've fixed a lot of that, at least on a wholesale level. But our right to vote as citizens is something really, really important, and I think it's easy to think that your vote doesn't make any difference and that you get very discouraged and you see things all around you. It's like, why bother? But remember, you can make a difference, and this is not only an opportunity, it's almost an obligation. Now, of course, I wouldn't tell you you have to go vote, but, but I really wish you do. I really hope you do. And there's some things that you can do that'll make um, going to vote easier and maybe let you be a benefit to other people. First of all, you should know that if you're listening to this show in Oklahoma, your employer is required to give you two hours off paid leave to go vote. So this means you can be gone from your workplace for two hours. Now, I would strongly encourage you to go to your employer prior to election day and find out what the company policy is and what kind of notice do they need and do they, you know, maybe they want you to go in the morning or the afternoon. So I wouldn't just show up two hours late for work and say I was voting, but I, I would talk to my employer and find out how they implement that practice. But they are required to give you two paid hours off. Now, this show is heard in states that aren't Oklahoma, and so I would encourage you to talk 
to your employer in whatever state you live in, check into the law. See what they're required to do. Talk to your employer. See what they're willing to do. And that way you can be sure that you have an opportunity to go vote. Sometimes people would vote, but they just don't have a ride. You know, we live in such an insular world. We, we don't sit on our front porches anymore. We don't know our neighbors. But this is an opportunity to see if your neighbor needs a ride, especially an elderly neighbor who might not feel confident going to the polls. And if you really want to be nice, throw your fireworks chair in the back seat of your car before you do it, and that way that elderly neighbor has an opportunity to sit down rather than have to stand in line the whole time. You're going to make their lives so much easier and so much better. You're going to feel really good about yourself. Make sure you know where your polling place is. Polling places change for lots of reasons. You know, in the news right now, there's um, some of the reasons seem a little odd, but also just new schools get built closer to you or new churches get built and suddenly you're voting in a different location. So this week, while you still have time, make sure you know where you're supposed to vote. Then, consider the issues that matter to you. I really care about the financial issues. That's, you know, this is a finance show. And so I'm always interested in knowing whether or not someone supports a fiduciary standard or something like that. But in your world, you have issues. And so I really want you to think about what matters to you. And then I want you to look into the candidate's records and find the candidate who agrees with what you, the position that you're hoping someone will take so that you don't just vote, but you vote in an informed way. You vote knowing what the person you're voting for believes. Kind of related to that, if you've got questions on the ballot, read them in advance. Some of these questions were obviously written by lawyers and they're incredibly confusing. You know, maybe you've just heard a couple of ads on television. Take some time to really read the question. Be sure you know which way to vote to express your opinion. So you may actually be in favor of something, but to be in favor of it, you wind up having to vote no because of the way the question is worded. So really read the question and make sure that you're voting in the way that you are supporting or not supporting the issue that's being addressed. So you really need to be informed. You really need to take some time to do this. If you vote for judges, take some time to research them. Now, I think judges are the hardest thing in the world to research, but take some time. Don't just blindly vote. It's really important that you vote thoughtfully. Remember, this is the easiest way that you can make a difference. I hear a lot of people saying, you know, what can I do? I don't know what to do. Well, what you can do is vote. And when you vote, then you can actually make a difference. If we all vote, we can all make a difference. And if everyone votes, then the will of the people will be carried out in the United States, whatever that is and our democracy will continue to function the way it always has. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, 
for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and today we're going to talk about required minimum distributions, or RMDs. I've also heard some people refer to these as MRDs, minimum required distributions, but that's sort of an unusual acronym for it. But if you hear about an MRD or an RMD, people are talking about required minimum distributions. So required minimum distributions are a function of money that is in retirement accounts, money that has been put back in a pre-tax situation unless it's been inherited, and we'll come back to that in a minute. So when we fund an IRA or we fund a 401k and then we don't pay taxes on that money that we use to fund those accounts, the IRS wants their tax money at some point in the future. And the IRS has decided that they will let you defer the taxation until you are 70 and a half, or if you are a participant in a 401k plan and not the owner, they'll let you go ahead and defer it until you retire. So let's start out talking about IRA required minimum distributions, and then we can come back and talk more about the 401ks and then some of the ways that Roths will ultimately have an RMD. And I say that to keep your attention through a segment that might be a little bit boring, but you really have to understand this. So when you are 70 and a half, you have to take your first required minimum distribution from an IRA that has been funded in pre-tax dollars or is an IRA that was not deductible because you made too much money, but it has pre-tax growth in it. Now, people panic, but the actual amount of money that you take from an RMD is not that big. There's a table and there's, it's a fraction of the money that you have. The value of the money is the value of your account on December 31st of the year before we're taking the distribution. So if you turn 70 and a half, then you look at your account value as of December 31st of the previous year, and that's the number that you use with the divisor. And it's not a lot of money. People just panic about this, but really taking your required minimum distribution is very easy. Now, the year that you turn 70 and a half, the IRS allows you to make a bit of a shift. You can put that first required minimum distribution off until April the 1st of the next year. So it's April 1st of the year after the year you turn 70 and a half. 
So if you decided to do that because you really don't want to take required minimum distributions, then for that first RMD of that year, you wouldn't use the account balance from the preceding December 31st of four months ago. You would go back and use the account balance of the year ahead of that because that was the year's balance you were actually supposed to use to take that RMD. So you'd take the first RMD at the beginning of the year, but then you have to take a second RMD that year before December 31st. So if you postpone it, then you must take two RMDs the next year. The second RMD uses the preceding December 31st balance. So the first one actually goes back a year and four months. The second one goes back to the preceding December 31st. And then from that point on, you have to take a required minimum distribution every year. When you're dealing with accounts that are a combination of taxable growth and basis where you paid taxes on the money, like an IRA that you couldn't deduct, then the required minimum distribution takes the taxability of the ratio of the growth to the basis. So what you'd be looking at <laughs> is the whole account value and what percentage of that whole account value can you put towards the growth of the account. Then you take the RMD on the entire amount, but only the part that was in pre-tax dollars is going to have tax due on it. This is really where you need to get a CPA involved because this gets unbelievably complicated and you'll really wish you had done it. Now, here's the other place you can get yourself into a huge mess. Maybe you work for a small business and maybe they have a SEP or a simple IRA retirement plan, and maybe you're older than 70 and a half and you're still working. So our scenario is SEP or simple participant and you're older than 70 and a half. Well, remember, you can defer your 401k RMDs until you actually retire. But if you are a participant, in an IRA-based retirement plan, you must begin taking required minimum distributions in the year you're 70 and a half, whether you're retired or not. This often ends up being that you're having to take an RMD out while your employer is putting money in on your behalf or you and your employer are still contributing to the plan. That's totally fine. It doesn't mean you don't get to continue to fund the plan. It just means that you have to take an RMD from that December 31st balance of the year before, whatever it was. So SEPs and SIMPLES and deductible IRAs and non-deductible IRAs with growth, they all require required minimum distributions, including also some forms of annuities. So be very careful that you're doing this. What happens if you don't do it? Well, the IRS has let you defer your taxes for decades. So they get really annoyed when you don't go ahead and take your RMD. In fact, you will have a penalty of 50, 50% 
of the amount of the RMD if you fail to take it. So let's make the math easy. Let's assume you were supposed to take a required minimum distribution of $100 and you don't take it. Well, now you still have to take the RMD and you owe the IRS a $50 penalty. Generally, RMDs are bigger than this number, so that penalty gets huge in a hurry. You must take your required minimum distributions on time. Generally, your custodian, your advisor, will ask you when do you want to take your RMDs. Or when you open the account or you reach age 70 and a half, there's a form you fill out that says when you want the RMD taken, what bank account you want it put into, or where you want the check mailed, so that it happens automatically. But if they fail to do this, it's still up to you to make sure that the RMD comes out and that you include it in your taxable income so you don't have the 50% penalty. Because ignorance or just not paying attention does not get you out of the IRS code. Now, if something's gone wrong and you got bad advice, I would encourage you to write a letter to the IRS explaining what happened, explaining how it got messed up, and if it's your fault, just admit it. Sometimes they'll waive the penalty, but they don't have to, and you can't count on it, and nobody wants to have to throw themselves on the mercy of the IRS to get out of something that they were supposed to do. Now, Roth IRAs do not have required minimum distributions during the lifetime of the owner of the Roth. So if you own a Roth IRA, you never have to take a required minimum distribution from it. However, if that Roth is inherited, the beneficiary has to begin to take RMDs. Why does the IRS do this if they're not going to get any tax off of it? because they want to stop the growth of the money at some point. They let the owner not have to pay tax. They let the beneficiary not have to pay tax, but they don't let the account pass from generation to generation to generation with nobody paying tax. So if you've inherited a Roth, um, a Roth IRA, then you have to take required minimum distribution even though you don't owe income tax on it. If you're a 401k participant and you are not the owner, you don't have to take RMDs until you actually retire. If you are the owner of the company, the IRS has this assumption that business owners tend to die in their office, so you have to take a required minimum distribution at 70 and a half, even though your employees don't. So this is complicated and there's a lot to it. It's a great time to talk to a certified financial planner practitioner and your CPA. Make sure these people are talking to each other. That way you take as much money as you're supposed to and you have what you need to fund your retirement. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. 
Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I got this question a lot over the last two weeks. It's kind of a fun question. Show's been a little serious, so let's try to end on a happier note. Peggy, if I win the lottery, what's the first thing I should do? You know, that's been everyone's big concern. And one of the giant lotteries has been won. I don't believe the second one has, but still very rapidly, lotteries are millions of dollars and everybody wants to know what they should do. That what you should do is very related to what you do anytime you come into unexpected money. So obviously winning the lottery is awesome, but sometimes people inherit money or they suddenly get a settlement from a legal case. And there's some really common characteristics that will keep you from having really big problems if you follow them however you come into the money. And the most important thing you should do is absolutely nothing until you get your feet under you. Now, in some situations, there's a few decisions you have to make immediately. There's a few things you have to do, like with the lottery, you have to decide between the lump sum or the payments. Or if you inherit money, there may be some decisions that you have to make. But most of the time in the real world places we find ourselves, very few decisions have to be made immediately. If you've inherited money, you need to give yourself a little time to grieve and to figure out what's going on because there's lots of sharks out there that are looking for people who have come into a lot of money. You know, sometimes we know the sharks. Sometimes they're family and friends, and they don't mean to be sharks, but they're just really so excited about getting an opportunity to better themselves that they cause us to make bad decisions because it plays on our emotions. Other sharks are people in financial services who prey on people when they're stressed. I've heard of situations where people will send flowers, financial advisors send flowers to funerals of people they don't know. So when the family looks at the card, they think there's a relationship between that advisor and the person who died. And that is really, really slimy. So you need to be careful and ask questions. While the person's still alive, find out who they're working with. Get to know them. Have a relationship. Whether you want to use them or not after the person dies is completely up to you. But if you understand the situation in advance, it stops someone else from being able to swoop in and make decisions where you think you're doing what's right and in fact you're not. You need to get a really good attorney. You need to get a good CPA. You need to get a certified financial planner practitioner. And these people should ideally be people you knew before so that you can trust what's being told to you, so that you know that these people are acting in your best interest. They have to be your fiduciary because you're very vulnerable. Even if it's fabulous and you've just won a ton of money, you're still really vulnerable because you don't really know what you're doing yet. This is why so many lottery 
winners go bankrupt because they get in the middle of it and they make really bad financial decisions. So take some time. Don't immediately go out and spend all the money you can find. Shaquille O'Neal said that he completely forgot he had to pay taxes. And so he spent a giant check that he got and then discovered that he owed taxes after that. So be cautious, be prudent, have a little fun, but mostly just continue where you were until you figure out and you make good financial decisions. Well, I can't believe how fast this week's show went. Remember that we're watching the market to see what it's doing. Don't forget to go vote if you want to do that. Make sure you take the required minimum distribution so the IRS doesn't give you a 50% penalty. And if you win the lottery, be careful. Have a great week. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.